The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Benched with Bubba, continuing our season previews from team by team, all 30 teams around baseball to get you ready for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. We're going to head to the AL West, talk some Houston Astros, you know, the defending champion Houston Astros, very, very good ball club, as many know, and we can't even blame uh, illegal technology anymore on them because they are that good. Um, in order to help break them down for me as a man that knows the Astros very well, been on the show before it's great to have him back you can find his work at armchairroto.com and on twitter at armchairroto russell withers how are we doing my friend pretty good baba thanks for having me it's a pleasure to be back and yeah. uh, and to talk about the world series best team in baseball houston astros and that 2017 championship still counts by the way Yes, yes, it does. It, I, I, I think it does. I, I'm not one that holds those about. I think steroid users should be in the Hall of Fame. Like I got all my, everybody was doing things until you tell me one, one person was the only person doing it. Uh, and same with the Astros. Everyone was cheating, or at least a lot of people were. So let's not like pretend uh, they, they just got caught a little differently. It's just that's all it was. But um, we're not here to talk about 17. We're here to talk about 2023 with the, with the look back on 2022, of course. But before we do that, anything you need to, you wanted to promote, or you got going on an armchair roto, or you just kind of hanging out right now. Just kind of hanging out right now. Uh, my work life and personal life are pretty busy right now. So with my little with my little blog, uh, I haven't had a chance to write as much as I would like to. But I, I've got a few pieces that I've sort of plugged away at. Those will come out over the next couple of months. So just keep looking. I'll tweet them out whenever I uh, publish things. That's excellent. Yeah, people should really pay attention to that because Russell's got some really cool stuff he puts out over there at Armchair Roto. Very, very deep knowledge. Really good at the DCs. Good at Fab Leagues. Like, so I recommend a few. Don't know as much. Uh, he was on a show with me last year, and a lot of talk about that. Really, really good stuff. And uh, check out his website there as well. 
let's talk Houston Astros and we'll kind of hop around. We won't go down the lineup in order per se, but we'll hop around from uh, player to player. We'll go with Jordan Alvarez to start things off. The guy is just a menace at the place and he's a big menace. Let's put it that way. And the crazy thing is he's going to be 26 this year. Still super, super young power hits for average. Does pretty much everything you want except steals bases. So what do you got on Jordan uh, entering this season as he's going in the, um, you know, his ADP right now? Where did he go? I just had him here a second ago. He's since January 1st, we've had uh, 15 DCs. He's ADP around 10. So what do you got? Yeah. I mean, doing the Astros is so easy because, you know, 80% of the players are being drafted in every league. It's like, yep. you know, what are you going to say about Jordan? He's top 10 in the league in war, top five in home runs, top 15 in runs, top 15 in RBIs, top 10 in batting average. He even stole a base, even with his, with his bad knees. Uh, He's just about as elite a hitter as there is in the league. Your only concern about him is, is really whether his knees are going to hold up or not. And they did all season in 2022. So that's a good sign. Um, I kind of wish Brantley hadn't signed in Houston, even though I love Michael Brantley. Because now they have Jordan penciled in uh, to play left field and Brantley DHing, and I have to believe that that eats into Jordan's plate appearances just a little bit. So when when that signing happened, I in my personal projections, I bumped Jordan's plate appearances down by about twenty five, and uh, for me that knocked him out of the first round into the middle of the second round. Um, but really, you can't go wrong building your team around him where, wherever he's going right now. You, you take him 10th, 10th pick in the first round, you know, that's a good way to start. And that, this is why I have you on the show because that was one of my questions with Brantley coming there. Like, we'd love Jordan to just DH, just DH, and he could probably play every single game, and that would just be glorious. But like you said, we know with the knee issues and playing the off, he's going to get some extra time off most likely, hopefully not because of an IL stint, just because he needs to rest. That's the uh, the plan. And so that's where it gets interesting. And I've kind of been asking other people this just because the profile is kind of similar in a roundabout way. Maybe the average is a little different. Power might be a little less, but pretty close. When you, when you, especially when you mentioned the uh, the lack of plate appearances potentially with Brantley coming back, who would you rather have, Jordan? And they're different positions, but Jordan or uh, Pete Alonso? Uh, well, I'm on my 13th DC right now. And I did, and I did ten of the gladiators. So, I've had a lot of opportunities to draft both, and I've taken Jordan in a couple of leagues, and I've I've been passing on Alonso. That answers that question. Uh, not because I don't like him. I think he's appropriately priced. Uh, just the way that I've been building teams, uh, Alonso hasn't worked out. So, I guess I'd rather have have my man Jordan. Okay, perfect. Good to know. Let's go to a guy that I absolutely love and I'm waiting for eventually if they ever hit him in the proper spot in the batting over or like a potential 40-40 season. I think he's that good, 30-30 for sure. And he almost did it last year even. And that's Kyle Tucker with 30 home runs and 25 steals last year with a subpar average because he just kind of got some bad lucks the way I look at it. The dude is a legit fantasy gem the way I look at it. So what's your thoughts on Kyle Tucker this year? Because I guess the biggest concern is where's he hitting in the order and how's that going to affect his overall production? Yeah, I know. That's that's so frustrating. You know, a, a lot of the theme of this talk is going to be Dusty's going to Dusty. Trust um, me, as a guy that was, that's was that been a diehard Giants fan for my entire life, I understand Dusty's going to Dusty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could you could freeze Kyle Tucker in Amber right now with this mm-hmm. profile, and you'd be perfectly happy drafting him where he's going. I think it's sixth overall recently. Yep. Um, he went 
30 and 25 last season. And sort of the opposite of, of Jordan, you can see the path where he gets that extra 30 to 50 plate appearances if, if Dusty decides to bat him second, third, or fourth. You know, he, he hit fifth and sixth most of the season last year. So we'll talk about Jeremy Pena a little bit. You know, Jeremy Pena clogged up the two-hole most of the season last year. And it really makes sense to move him down and to move Kyle Tucker up. Uh, but like I said, Dusty's going to Dusty, and we'll see what happens. But even if he sticks at five and six, he's worth the price where he's being drafted. Yeah, it's almost like Dusty sees that lefty power hitter potential. It's like, I want him more in the heart of the order, but I have Jordan already. I have Bregman, who we'll talk about, and some others. So it's just like, well, I got to, you know, put him down here where, you know, Pena is a little, you know, I'm not going to say smaller is the right way to say it, but he's more of a, what Dusty thinks of as like a top of the order back. Because again, yeah. I have understood Dusty for a long time and it, it doesn't yeah. always make sense. So, you know, and now, and now they've, now they've upgraded, um, first base with Jose Abreu. So yeah, the batting order is even, even more. is even more crowded. So shucks, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it must really stink to be a Houston Astros fan. It's a golden um, age for sure. Let's go to the top of the order here though. And we had a Renaissance a little bit last year and Jose okay. Altuve, who he's, he's, he's showcased pretty good power uh, over the last three or so full seasons. He's always hit for a really good batting average scores runs. He's at the top of a very, very potent batting order, but he stole 18 bags last year. That came back in his age 32 season. He hasn't done something like that since 2018. So going into this year, his ADP is up to 43 now, which last year we got him as a gift closer to 100. Um, how do you look at Altuve now? He's getting older. The steals came kind of back. felt like I don't know, or maybe there was something more to it that the novel fan doesn't know. So how do you look at Jose Altuve? Well, I look at him right here. <laughs> I got my autographed Altuve picture back there yeah. right next nice. to my Jeff Kent from 04. Okay. You know, those 18 steals, the, the real story there is the one caught stealing, which is his best success rate of his entire career. So it's uh, it's not just the renaissance of the stolen base total. He's getting smarter and he's picking and choosing his spots. And, and he obviously felt better last season than he has in years, letting those, letting those wheels deliver for him. Um, I mean, Altuve's, Altuve's great. He's one of these guys where – his batted ball profile isn't all that impressive, but he just finds a way to to maximize the tools that he has. He's an extreme pull guy, so he just dumps all those balls into the Crawford boxes. If, if you look at his spray chart, it's just red dots over in left field, and he knows how to target that spot and dump those home runs in there. Um, you know, like you said, the speed came back last season, uh, and, you know, Given that his knees are feeling healthier and that he's been smarter with the with the steals and, and the increased success rate, I think he is going to be able to play off of these new rules next season in a way that maybe doesn't increase the steals, but but sustains the increase that he had last season. Because um, that's really the only way I, I see him doing what he did last season at, at the older age, just being smarter and, and feeling better. Are you a fan of him as his kind of increased ADP of 43? Because you guys got maybe a bounce back in Albies going around or two later. There's some other second basemen later in the draft. Are you into like, – and it could be a total roster construction build because at that point it's like you might want another pitcher or something. But at pick 43, at least you're, you're having to pay kind of more of a premium for Altuve this year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I listen to you and Toby every week, and I'm very much like Toby. I have my spreadsheet. 
and I'm really only drafting players if my sheet has them at a higher value than, than what their ADP is. And I've got him about eight spots higher than his ADP. So okay. I think he's priced pretty appropriately. Good. And uh, taking him a few spots early is a, is a pretty good spot to take him. So I think he's worth where he's going for sure. Good to hear. Good to hear. All right, let's talk. You mentioned Jeremy Pena earlier, and the, the, it was quite the season for Jeremy Pena. Came out the, the gates like a gangbuster, kind of hit some snags a little bit, but then the postseason brought him right back onto the forefront of everybody's brain of how good he can be. You know, he showed some power, showed some speed, never really showed that much power in the minors, it felt like, but it could be similar. You mentioned Altuve, we'll mention with Bregman. They enjoy that Crawford box. It's a yeah. beautiful thing that they have there. So you said earlier he's he's projected hit second. He did it most of last year. Are we good with Pena at like an ADP of one seventeen, especially if he is hitting second, or is there concern he gets moved and now it's like kind of a not so sure situation? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be paying for him to hit second in the order. I I just I have to believe that they're going to move him down a little bit. Um. Yeah, I, he really took the sting out of Correa leaving when he when he came out of the gate hot last season. And then we all know he kind of fell off a bit in the second half, but he was also a superstar in the playoffs. So I kind of view that all as one one big sample where he came out hot, maybe pitchers adjusted, had some, some rookie struggles, and then found a way to make it all work in the playoffs. So I, I view that his first rookie campaign uh, as a real success. But there are some some red flags that make me want to pump the brakes a little bit. His plate approach definitely needs some work. He doesn't walk at all. And he strikes out too much for a guy who doesn't walk at all. Uh, so that results in a really poor on-base percentage. That's tenth. He, his uh, on-base percentage of 289 was 10th worst among qualified hitters. So I have to believe that, that people are chattering in Dusty's ear telling him that he just can't keep hitting him second. It just doesn't make any sense. So I think he is going to get moved down a little bit in the order and he is going to lose some plate appearances. But, you know, he is a raw young talent. He's a good player. He's going to find a way to make it work. And even as he has these growing pains and he has uh, likely fewer plate appearances, I think he's good for 20 plus home runs and 10 plus stolen bases, maybe maybe even a little bit higher than that. And, you know, like you said, he's being drafted, what, 117-ish, something like that. 17. Yeah. Um, I think that's just about right. There's not a, there's not a huge profit there, but uh, but if you take him right there, that's you know that's pretty much where he should be going. And that's kind of where I'm at on him. It's like the the lost in in plate appearances obviously would affect his run scored in a big big way. But I'm with you also. I still think he could be that 20 plus guy, 10 plus guy. Which at that point in the draft, if we watch the shortstop landscape, it starts to kind of drop pretty quickly compared to years past. And so it's kind of like one of those: if you want the power speed combo at short, which is not always a necessity, but you know, is a, is a theme. It seems like then he still fits that mold. It's just does he lose the run scored, as you said? Because the biggest biggest question besides plate appearances is like we talked about: is some people wonder about the power. And I'm with you. I feel like. He's still so young and developing that I'm not too worried about that. I think he showcased it. It's like HQ talks about. It's like once you showcase a skill, you own a skill type thing. He showcased that, and that's the thing we got to start remembering about Houston is they, they. I think they. You probably know better than me. I feel like they teach these kids young. You got this Crawford box over here. Like let's work on pulling the baseball because it's been a thing we've, we've seen time and time again. So I'm with you on Jeremy Pena. It's just a matter of uh, the run production potentially in in yeah. the end game. Speaking of guys that love the Crawford box, 
That's uh, Alex Bregman. Like he is the like they need to put his face out there somewhere because he is the example of the Crawford boxes. Um, twenty three home runs last year. Nice tick up from twenty twenty one where he was injured and you know, scuffled a bit. The average dropped last year, but um, still not the greatest Bregman season we hoped for. He he was still kind of banged up, but he still played one hundred fifty five games. What's the takes on Alex Bregman? Because I don't know if we're ever going to see the guy we saw for back to back seasons for a while there, like in uh, eighteen and nineteen but I think there's still a lot to like with Alex Bregman. Yeah, I think you're spot on with that. I think last season is pretty much who he is. Uh, he's an elite on-base guy. He's got kind of moderate power. His stat cast stuff just doesn't jump off the page. But like Altuve, uh, you know, his spray chart looks a lot like Altuve's. He, he is able to maximize the tools that he has, and he just dumps balls over into the Crawford boxes. So, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to hit 40 home runs again like he did in 19 with the happy fun ball. But he hit, I think, 31 in 2018. And you don't have to squint too hard to see him falling into 30 home runs again. Uh, but but more, more likely, I think 25 is what you should expect. 25 home runs, hit at the top of the order, boatloads of runs. Uh, let's look at his steamer this morning. I think they project 80-something. I mean – I don't think it's crazy to think he's going to score 100 runs um, hitting third or, f- or fourth in the lineup like he was last season. Um, and actually, I, I wrote down here, uh, as far as where he hit in the order, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. He hit third for the entire first half of the season, and then they switched him to fourth. It was like they just decided, we're not going to do this anymore. We're going to bat him cleanup. And so for the first three months of the season – 335 plate appearances. Uh, he had 44 runs, 10 homers, 42 RBIs, and hit 239. And then when they moved him to cleanup for the final half of the season, 321 plate appearances, so fewer. Uh, he hit more runs, 49, more home runs, 13, more RBIs, 51, and hit uh, 40 points higher in batting average, 279. So he really liked when they switched him to cleanup. And I don't see the reason why they wouldn't just hit him there all season next season that's interesting so he, they probably put him between tucker and Jordan. so maybe uh, that's interesting I, I didn't even realize okay. that so i wonder if it's more of a pitch pitches he was seeing uh, guys on base so they had to pitch to him or just guys behind him they didn't want to pitch i don't know that's an interesting dichotomy there with um with bregman and, and seeing how that can produce because the one thing he's always had at least for the most part is just a really good like batting average potential skills like he, he can even hit he's a very very good hitter yes and so um that's that's an interesting situation there get on base and score some runs i like that quite a bit with Briggs. and he's about he's kind of towards that cliff of third base where it starts to drop too so you got to make those decisions if you want to like take your chances with your chapmans or your suarez's or do you want to uh get like a bregman a gunner or something like that and uh and go there The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. 
Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. All right, you mentioned him earlier. The big man, Jose Abreu, comes over. And this is a, I love this movie. He's going to be 36. People talk about the age and concerns. Um, you know, 15 homers, but still at 304 last year, which is outstanding. How do you think he trans, uh, translates to Houston now? Obviously, a very good hitter. Um, I don't know if he's going to take advantage of the Crawford boxes if you look at his, his hitting profile. But yeah. what what do you think about Abreu at this point in time? Because it's I think it's an upgrade from Gurriel. But uh, <laughs> what's your thoughts there? Oh, definitely an upgrade from Gurriel. Um, I'm not too concerned about his age either. Uh, his profile is just really stable. You don't really you, – you look at, at what he did last year, and we'll talk about the power, but – Nothing really fell off. Everything was perfectly in career norms. And in fact, his strikeout rate, swinging strike rate, and contact rate were all career bests. So, you know, he, uh, again, as he's aging, he's learning how to make the most out of the tools that he has. Um, you know, the loss of power last season, it just seemed kind of fluky to me. Uh, if you go to his Savant page and, and you look at, you know, what he would have done in different parks, they've got him at 22 home runs if he would have been playing for Houston last year. So, I mean, that by itself points to uh, kind of the flukiness and the rebound. And like you said, he's he's not going to take huge advantage of the Crawford boxes because he's not a big extreme hole hitter. He, uh, he spreads the ball around really well. Um, but he is going to hit balls to left field, and those are going to go for home runs there when they wouldn't in other parks. Um, so, I mean, I, I think 20 home runs is a, is a floor even though he hit 15 last year. And I still think he's going to hit for average. And this is going to be the best lineup he's been in in years. And it's just a, a really, really great way to, to build your team, to have him at first base. Yeah, not bad at ADP around 90 either. He's a, he's a very, very boring floor guy that helps you win fantasy championships type guy. Like yeah. hey, people aren't going to be over the moon about like the flashiness that a Brady does not have, but the, um, what he brings at the end of the year, you're going to be very happy with uh, when all things are said and done. You mentioned Michael Brantley earlier and you can get him at a heck of a deal in DC as you probably know. And he's a great batting average asset and he's going to play a lot, but it was interesting. Like he seems like he should retire at Astro at some point in time. He's done with the team. They bring him back. Uh, how do you feel about him for fantasy? And then you already mentioned how he kind of clogs up some situations uh, for the other players on the lineup. Yeah, that was a tough one when they signed him because I, I love Michael Brantley, uh, but it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, you know, yeah, I don't even know where to start. You know, is he even healthy? So he had labrum surgery in the off season, and. I don't know if you saw the blurb on, on Roto World the other day, but it was just this bizarre story where they said uh, Dusty Baker has no idea whether Brantley has started swinging or not and whether he'll That's be ready good. to start the season. But then if you keep reading, it says, well, in the front office, most notably Jeff Bagwell says they expect him to be ready for the start of the season. So it's like, okay, what are we actually supposed to do with that? I think if he is expected to be ready to start the season, you would expect the manager to know that. And to, so. and, and to me, it just sounds like Bagwell's being optimistic. So I'm not even banking 450 plate appearances. That's kind of where I'd put the over-under. Um, so 
we'll see what actually happens. Uh, I probably take him in a DC if he fell after pick 400, uh, but his ADP is actually in the late 300s, and I don't think I've actually taken him anywhere yet. Um, I think it's better for the Astros if if they let Jordan DH most of the time, and so, you know, I think the signing of him was really kind of a hopeful thing, and maybe it all works out, but but I'm not banking on it. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I don't even really know that much about the injury situation like you're talking about. I figure they signed him. He's going he's gonna to do, you know, Michael Brantley things, just be in there enough to be Michael Brantley. But uh, that does change things quite a bit, and hopefully it does help Jordan, as we kind of talked about earlier, to get that playing time uh, locked in as well. Um, you mentioned you wanted to talk about the catcher situation, and I think it's fun because, you know, most of us get bored with Martin Maldonado, but they have some other options too. So what do you got on the, the Houston catcher situation? <laughs> uh, yeah, I had Maldonado as a fourth catcher on a ton of DCs last season, and uh, lesson learned. I'm just not doing that again. He's, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of pop, but he just kills your batting average. So I don't really view him as a, as a valuable draftable asset, but I did want to talk about Houston catcher for a second because they've got these two young guys coming up who are going to battle for the for the backup job, both Corey Lee and uh, Yiner Diaz. Uh, in drafts, Yiner Diaz is only DH eligible. He's not catcher eligible, so you have to kind of hunt for him in the player pool. Uh, but both are really interesting. They're both 24 years old. They both hit 25 home runs in the minors last year. Uh, they both made their major league debut. Uh, Lee has a, a little bit of speed where Diaz doesn't. Diaz has a little bit of a better hitting profile than Lee does. Um, the roster resource has Lee as the backup right now, but I think Diaz probably takes that backup job. Um, so it's all kind of unclear right now, but I just wanted to mention it because it's not hard to see a path for one of these guys mid-season to start eating into Maldonado's playing time if, if he gets the backup job and starts hitting well and maybe gets a few more starts each week. So just keep those guys on your radar. And midseason in Fab Leagues, when you're hunting for a garbage catcher replacement, um, just have an eye out for these guys. That's a great point, too, because um, we saw last year when they traded for Christian Vasquez, they're not, like, devoted to Martin Maldonado if there's a guy that can, you know, potentially hit and catch a little better than he can. So, like, they love Maldonado because his defense is pretty good. Like, he just knows what he's doing back yeah. there. And the offense is so loaded, you can kind of take that zero for them. Where, um, at the same time, you know, if a couple injuries happen, you need a little bat in the lineup, then Diaz or somebody could uh, definitely find his way there. So, I like that. It's a good good call out as well. Let's talk pitchers. And, uh, as usual, Houston's got quite a few of them. It's just what they do in Houston. And one is – we'll start with – well, two of them are my favorites. We'll start with one, the lefty, Framber Valdez, who I just love everything about Framber Valdez. He's um, an innings eater. He limits contact. He just he just does it all. And it, he, he makes it look easy at times. And I just love what he does. ADP still very reasonable to me. So what's your thoughts on Framber Valdez? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I think he is a back-end ace for sure. Uh, he has earned the role as the, the frontline guy in, in Houston's rotation. He's got this absolutely insanely elite ground ball rate. Uh, reminds me of the sort of the glory days of Dallas Keuchel, except except Fromber actually strikes guys out. Yeah. I mean, he's not a huge strikeout guy, but, you know, roughly a, a strikeout per inning, a little bit less than that. Uh, and the volume is going to sort of make up for it. Um, yeah, he's just nails. I can't wait to watch him next season. 
Yeah, uh, he's he's been he's been drafted around eighty one. Yeah. I actually have him about a round and a half better than that projected. So he's a he's a great pick where he's going right now. Yeah, I absolutely love everything about him, and I, I mention it from time to time for those that like playing quality starts or points leagues and it's different than we do. The dude's a beast. Like he should be elevated so much higher just because of the innings he puts out there and he rarely, rarely gets destroyed. So he's just, he's an accumulator in a very good way. So I like that quite a bit. You mentioned his ADP of 81 and I agree. He's a back end fantasy ace. Well, some are drafting Mr. Christian Javier as a fantasy ace at ADP of 64 going ahead of Framber. And I'm not, I love Christian Javier. It's a bummer that he pitched so well in the postseason because his ADP probably wouldn't <laughs> be so high with yeah. Christian Javier, but um, the dude's elite. The ratios last year were great. Strikeouts were great. And it feels like, I don't know from the outside looking in Russell that it's uh, we haven't even seen maybe the peak of this kid. So what's your thoughts on Christian Javier? Yeah. I mean, he, he could be a, a front front end ace. I mean, this time next year, we could be t- talking about him in the first three rounds. Uh, all he really needs to do is sustain the production he put up last year and tack on 25 innings. I think he pitched 150 innings last year. Uh, most of those were as a starter, but I think it was the first couple of months he was pitching out of the pen, and then they just couldn't hold him back anymore. And once they unleashed him, he was like Mr. Ace. And, uh, yeah, I mean – he is going around pitch pick uh, pitch pick sixty three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I projected him for one hundred and fifty innings, which is probably conservative because that's what he did last season. And and with that, I've got him as the seventy sixth uh, ranked player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you tack ten to 15, 20 innings on that, he's absolutely a value where he's being taken. And his floor is much. Uh, excuse me, his ceiling is much higher than Fromber's. And, you know, hopefully he doesn't catch too much healing, helium between now and, and opening day. Yeah, it's been crazy watching it come up. When I was in first pitch Arizona, it was the World Series game he was pitching. And he was just filthy. And we were all sitting there. And buddy Will Garofalo walks up. And I know he's a big Christian Javier guy. And he goes, well, that value just went out the window. And yeah. he just, like, watched his ADP as drafts kept going through November and December. He just kept climbing and climbing and climbing. I don't think he can climb too much more. I think he's kind of got there. Never say never. Somebody might like him more than, than you in a draft, but um, he is pretty sneaky good. And I love what you, you mentioned there because I do it with Toby on the show on Tuesdays when you said he just tweaked the projection just a couple innings and it's like see where he goes. Like I'll ask Toby like when he's got his thing out, why don't you give him like 10 more at-bats or 10 more innings and tell me what he ranks now. Like yeah. play the game and it's it, it changes everything. That's why the projections are fun. Your guys' models are fun because um, – and, and they're also not – fun might not be the right word, but it's fun to see the differences in what, what literally – maybe two starts for Christian Javier could do or go in an inning and a half more each start. So it's not even like two starts, it's just a little bit more each time out. It could be a game changer in the overall fantasy value of a player. So I am really intrigued with Christian Javier. I hope he reaches the expectations most of us have for him. I really do. Um, I'd probably take Framber at this point now just for the quote unquote safety of the situation. But you mentioned the ceiling with Javier and it's uh, pretty high, pretty, pretty high. Let's talk Lance McCullers now. This one is its a tough one to talk about. I know as a Nationals fan, you probably feel it too. The talent is unmistakable. The guy is super, super good. Problem is, and we've said it forever, you throw a curveball that often things start to not work the same way in your arm. That's just arm, shoulder, whatever you want to call it. Um, so he pitched about uh, 47, 48 innings last year. Man, projections have him for like 140 to 150. That's a jump, but he's done it before. 
What's your thoughts on McCullers? Because he's got an ADP close to 200 right now. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's a pretty pretty aggressive projection. So, so with my projections, um, a lot of you know a lot of projections they'll they'll try to hit what the expected number is. They'll try to be as accurate as possible, and that's what I do on the rate rate stats and the counting stats. But a lot of my own personal projections are you know what am I willing to pay for in fantasy? So even if I think he'll pitch 140 innings. That's a little too costly for me, so I'm only willing to pay for 120. And that's kind of what you were talking about with Toby. Like, you know, you ratchet down the numbers based on you know, this or that, and and it drops the projected value versus versus the cost. So, and, you know, Lance didn't pitch until August last year, and even if he's healthy at the end of the season, this has been a, an ongoing thing with him. And I don't think that I'd be willing to pay for more than about 120 innings. Uh, even that feels aggressive. Yeah. Um, but when he's on, man, there's nobody else you'd rather have taken the ball. He stands there on the mound and he stares in. And he just looks like like a mean, mean dude. And uh, so I like McCullers, but I am – just haven't been drafting him on on any teams. I'm just going to enjoy watching him as a fan. And if he goes out there and drops 150 innings in 2023, I'll be all over him in 2024. Yeah, we're, we're on the same page. Like I love Lance McCullers. I was drafting him everywhere back in the day mm-hmm. before he got hurt, knowing that – or having the very self-conscious nature that it's coming Like because you just can't throw that many curveballs. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so yeah, I'll probably sit back. I haven't even attempted to draft him yet this year. He's a guy I'll probably play in DFS while he's healthy. I'll enjoy him, uh, do that kind of run. But he seems like a guy that maybe he might be better suited unless he can, you know, figure it out. But better suited for like those postseason runs where he'd come out of the pen for like three innings and just you know throw ninety percent curveballs and then walk away. Yeah. Like okay, do that for yeah. a couple outings here and there. Go for oh, it. It's so much fun. Hit this. It's a curveball. Yep. You know it's coming, but you're, you're not going to hit it. It's like Bull Durham. Oh, how do you hit that? Well, I told him it was coming. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's just, uh, he's not going to hit the curveball. It's just not going to happen. So um, it would be but fun to see because he is a, a heck of a ball player. So with you there, let's go with Luis Garcia, the pitcher, Luis Garcia for the Houston Astros, going about ADP close to 150 right now. And he was just a steady Eddie last year for the most part. Got you 157 innings. You know, close to a K per inning. Ratios were decent, nothing crazy. Um, it's kind of, you know, when you already have so many aces towards the top, it kind of gets under, like, you kind of forget about him. But he was still a pretty good arm. So what's your thoughts on Garcia for 2023? Well, he's got the most fun wind-up to watch in baseball with the with the rocking baby. And uh, you can search around on YouTube for kids emulating it and mocking it. It's just It just cracks me up whenever I watch it. So... But that aside, yeah, um, Luis Garcia, you know, he's just a very solid middle rotation guy. He's being drafted appropriately. He's not really elite in any one particular area. You could probably expect 150-plus innings. Uh, the thing with him, and, and we'll talk about Urquidy, is as the two, you know, as the four and five, those are the two guys who are most likely, uh, you know, barring an injury for Lance McCullers, uh, most likely to lose some innings to Hunter Brown. Um, but as things stand right now, he's just a steady Eddie, solid fourth or fifth, sixth pitcher that you can take and start, you know, 80, 80 90% of the time when uh, when he's got a game. Yeah, I'm with you there. He's kind of quiet and does his thing, and it's, it's fun. 
fun to have those kind of guys on your roster that late in the draft. Uh, let's talk Jose Arcadi. And I just looked at a three nine four ERA last year, and I would have lost a bet because I swore it was over four because he uh, it was rough at times for Arcadi, and a lot of it's because he just doesn't strike guys out. He pitches to a lot of contact, and when he's off, it's it's nasty. But in the end, he's still got decent numbers for you. So, what's your thoughts on Arcadi in twenty twenty three? Yeah, uh, I always laugh when I listen to Rates and Barrels because Eno and Derek Van Riper love to talk about Arcadi, and Eno's always like. He should just be so much better than he actually is, but then he just never is. Uh, he's, you know, he's just kind of like Luis Garcia, maybe not quite as good, just a, a reliable rotation arm. He could he can be a starter. They could put him in the pen. Uh, you know, he's been a starter the last couple of years, but you, it's pretty easy to see a situation where they move him to the pen and move someone someone else in, like a Hunter Brown. Um, you know, very good whip. Uh, because he doesn't really walk many guys, um, but his ERA has never really been all that impressive. Um, you know, he plays for the Astros, so he's going to get you wins. He's just kind of one of those filler guys, um, and that has uh, a role to play on a fantasy team for sure. Yeah, especially close to ADP 300. You can definitely yeah. uh, make some arguments for it. Uh, you mentioned Hunter Brown, and we saw what he did last year, and he was – Pretty impressive to watch in his couple starts and just pick time out of the bullpen. ERA below one, which I know small sample, but pretty good. His minor league numbers have been really good. Um, there is a highly likelihood that he will find time in the rotation this year, like you said. Uh, he's got an ADP around two or two sixty four, though. How are you approaching Hunter Brown and drafts? Because the talent is kind of undeniable, but it's a matter of getting out there. Yeah, I I've drafted him on exactly one league. Uh, one team of all those leagues I mentioned, and it was in a gladiator. Uh, he was my ninth pitcher, and I just thought, yeah, you know, whether he's a reliever or starter, you know, if you're gonna gonna win this thing, you kind of have to take a shot because you can't make any roster moves all season. But you know, in a regular league where you can make roster moves and you could shuffle guys in and out, I think he's way overpriced. Um, I've got him starting out in the bullpen and maybe moving into the rotation. I think a best case scenario is like 110 innings. Um, And he's just being drafted like he's going to be a starter from the jump. Um, And I just think that's a little too optimistic. And, you know, there there are also some other reasons to kind of not be concerned, but to just to question what people think might happen a little bit. His, uh, you know, he he's a big strikeout guy in the minors, but his swinging strike rates are not all that impressive. Um, so you wonder uh, how how much that's going to translate if 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 he's going to come to the majors and be able to strike guys out like he did in the minor leagues. So I just I think he's going to be really good, uh, but I just want to wait and see for the most part. Yeah, I'm, that's how I usually draft them. More of a wait and see, and maybe it's just a little Spencer Strider syndrome. People are like, "Hey, we see the talent. We're hoping we can get them before others." And but well, um, yeah, that was a beautiful thing to get off the waiver wire, not so much the draft room. So yeah, Spencer, uh, Spencer Strider was being drafted in the six hundreds, seven hundreds last season. So I mean, that's way different. But I'm saying I, I'm thinking he might have the syndrome. People saw it now; they want to be there, so they're like, "Okay, we're gonna be yeah. aggressive and draft them." Where probably not the move to make people, but yeah. I didn't even like pay attention to Strider until I saw him in the bullpen a little bit and I grabbed him off the waiver wire. I was like, I don't draft those kind of players on my team. It's just not what I do, but uh, we'll see Hunter Brown. Yeah. It's a fun one. It's a name that I have not drafted anywhere. I've not paid, paid the price for Hunter, Hunter Brown at all. 
Let's talk bullpen now when it comes to the Houston Astros. And Ryan Presley has been one of the best closers in baseball in recent years. Like He hasn't put up the Edwin Diaz in Class A seasons, but pretty close. He's pretty good. And uh, it, it helps when your team wins like 100 games every year. It lives a lot of save chances out there for you. So he's pretty much locked in. Uh, how else do you see? How else do you see the bullpen playing out? Because sadly with Presley, though, he does miss time from time to time. So uh, there's always options. Yeah, um, I think you can expect uh, an IL stint from him at least once a season. That's kind of the way it's gone. Uh, but he is the guy. His skills are still very strong. Um, you know, you can expect. 55 innings or so from him. He's going to get the bulk of the saves, probably 35 plus. Uh, so he's definitely one of those top, you know, five to eight closers that you want to draft early. If you're grabbing one of those earlier guys, I think he's going kind of fifth or sixth round. Um, yeah. His ADP right now is 50 since the, since the year began. So what is that? Fourth round. Um, he's absolutely worth that cost. Um, while he spends a little bit of time on the IL, it's probably Montero that gets those saves. I've got Montero penciled in for, for five saves on the year. And uh, maybe Brian Abreu falters a few as well uh, on a day when you know, Presley's pitched a couple of days in a row and maybe Montero's not available. Um, but, you know, there's not much more that you, that you could want out of a closer than Presley. And he's not going to be as, as costly as some of those other guys. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. He's just that good and... <laughs> It's a heck of a bullpen they got put together with Montero, Abreu, even Hector Neres can pencil in if he has to type thing. Like it's there's a reason this team wins. That's just very yeah. simple when you look at their roster. Um, and uh, and his mom is a great follow on Twitter, Jan Presley. She uh, she cracks me up. She's always live tweeting during the games, and she she goes crazy when he comes in. Well, now I'll have to follow because that's one thing I've <laughs> I've learned to appreciate is I try I try to get away from some of the cesspool that is Twitter and yeah. I'm following more like the entertainment stuff. Like I follow Vinny Pasquantino because he's just entertaining on Twitter. Oh like, yeah, some, he's fun. Yeah, some of these guys are guys and then their parents. I follow Lucas Giolito's dad. He's hilarious. When I mean, uh, like, either he comes to the defense of Lucas last year, but in other years it's a different story. So you get the whole spectrum of uh, of fun stuff out there, which yeah. is a little different than the other beats that you get on, on Twitter. Um, Let's talk prospects, though, because Houston has usually always had a pretty good system, but eventually, you know, they're all in the bigs or they've been traded to get more pieces for the bigs. Uh, you already mentioned Diaz as a potential catching option. Hunter Brown technically is probably a prospect. We know who he is. Uh, anybody else that we should keep an eye on for potentially some fantasy impact this year? Yeah, I mean, people like Pedro Leon to come up and play some center. Um, he's got a sports hernia right now. He's not going to be ready at the beginning of the season. Um, but he also strikes out a ton, and I just worry about whether or not he's going to be able to make the bat work at the major leagues, but he's a very good defender. You'll probably see him play some center at, at some point during the season. Uh, that's kind of a wait-and-see, uh, fab watch list kind of guy. Um, but I do want to mention one guy that I promise you no one else will mention on any show, and I want to give a bunch of caveats before I before I say his name. So I've been known for a couple of seasons in a row now to kind of get hung up on on certain prospects each each off season that uh, you know pan out to be nothing. I get really I get really caught up on them. So a few years ago it was Kai Tom, and then uh, a couple of years a couple of years ago it was um, Tyler Ivy on the Astros. So these prospects that I end up liking. So this guy, the prospects guys do not like him. They don't mention him on any of their lists. 
he's not even like a top 15, 20 guy on Astros prospect list. Um, so he's been drafted on in exactly one draft champions league since the year started. And it was me. And I literally took it with the 750th pick, the final pick in the draft. So I want you to understand that's what we're talking about here. But his name's Corey Jukes. He's listed as a third base outfielder. And he's got a really interesting story. He's 26 right now. He had kind of a breakout two seasons ago at AA Corpus Christi. Um, There's a really interesting article about him on The Athletic uh, from early, I think it's February 2022. Uh, where they wanted to get more out of his bat, and Houston actually pulled him out of Corpus and took him to a separate training facility for three weeks and did a whole bunch of things to change his approach and his swing. And when he came back to AA, he was absolutely gangbusters. And I don't have his numbers from that year in front of me. But oh, I got him right here. Year, I got him right here. 14 homers, 15 stolen bases, hit 287. Like when you started mentioning, I pulled up his page, and I'm, I'm okay. like, wow. So then, so then you look at what he did in AAA uh-huh. last season. He hit 30 home runs. Uh, I don't have it in front of me either, but I think it was 30 home runs and 20 steals. He's got a very acceptable strikeout rate. It's about 20%. He walks. He's got this, this profile that I like where he doesn't hit too many ground balls or too many fly balls, both under 40%. That's something that I look at in minor leagues because I like them to hit a lot of line drives. Um, because those fall for hits uh, more than ground balls and fly balls do. And the organization, even though he's not highly touted on any of these prospects lists, the organization really seems interested in him. And he's got nothing else to prove in the minors. And so at some point in 2023, I see him making a debut. Uh, Maybe he plays left field. Maybe Brantley gets hurt. Maybe there's room for him somewhere. He comes up and gets an opportunity to, to do something. Uh, He kind of reminds me of of Josh Rojas on the Astros a few years ago, kind of a similar profile, not a touted prospect, but had just racked up counting stats in the minors. And then they traded him for Zach Grinke, and he was really good when he went to Arizona. Um, I could see a situation like that. He gets traded to another team. So just put him on your watch list, put him on your radar. Don't draft him uh, unless it's the 750th pick at a draft champion's. But I just want to put his name in people's mouths. I love it. I, look, I was looking at his page while you were talking, and you mentioned when he made the change at AA, his home run to fly ball just skyrocketed in the final two seasons. They obviously made a change there. Um, he's a Rule 5 eligible player after this year, so definitely a trade candidate. If that like, like Everything you're saying just checks boxes of the guy that could potentially find his way onto a roster somewhere. He's almost 27. He has not, like, he's nothing else to prove in the minors. That's a very intriguing one right there, especially if somehow Bregman gets hurt again. Like we've seen that in the past. God forbid that happens or uh, something happens. You never know. Like I think a trade's possible. Like you said it's an interesting profile. Never heard of him, like you said. But uh, while you were talking, I was, I was scrolling through that page, looking at all the things. And uh, one of the big things you mentioned is something that has stuck out in my head forever since James Anderson has mentioned it many times is he doesn't strike out a lot. And that's something that you can definitely look to carry over from the minors to the bigs. Guys that strike out a lot in the minors will strike out even more in the bigs most likely. What he's doing plate discipline wise already is, is is good to see. So it's an interesting one. Interesting, like, like you said, I'm not like you know running to go draft him right away, but definitely a guy to. Uh, it, it feels like he's like a, a Jeff Smith type or something that you, you see it in the minors. You're waiting for it to pan out. Hopefully it does, but uh, kind of has that, that hubbub behind them to uh, to hopefully get going. So I'm with yeah. you there. Could be a lot of fun. All right, Russell. 
Well, that'll wrap us up on our Houston Astros preview. Uh, any final thoughts on the Astros for the 2023 season? No, uh, nothing other than that uh, I'm looking forward to watching them repeat. Yep. Uh, haters going to hate. Astros going to win. <laughs> That's I about all it. I got. I love it. I, I, I kind of quietly root for them because they're entertaining and they're fun for fantasy teams everywhere because they're that darn good. And I love that. Fran Rivales, man. Christian Javier. Let's go. So, everybody, make sure you check out Russell on Twitter at Armchair Roto. Pay attention when he starts tweeting out some of the work he's got going on. It's awesome stuff over there, as always. And, Russell, thanks for joining me, my friend. Thanks. Thanks, Bubba. My pleasure. Everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, your Houston Astros season preview. Catch you guys next time. Mm-hmm.